All right, so a couple people were excited about that, but let me, okay, high school students, middle school students, and parents up in the room, make a little noise. Let me hear you out there. All right. Eh. All right, we're still waking up. We're waking up. Hey, my name is Micah, by the way. I serve as the lead pastor here at Harvest, and it is a privilege to, to gather with you um, here in person and uh, to celebrate. We're continuing today uh, a teaching series that we started last week. But before we do that, just summer camp. I know Danny mentioned that and that uh, registration is open today. Um, There are actually two weeks. So this Sunday and by next Sunday, if you sign up, there's an early bird pricing. So you save a little bit of money by making a decision sooner. So do that if you know you're going to go. Sign up before um, the next couple weeks pass. If you have questions about that, Sophia from our student team is going to be hanging out by our next steps table. She could answer whatever summer camp questions you have. But here's what I want to say. For those of you that have gone to camp before, you already understand the kinds of things that, that God does in that time. Um, but there is, there is something special that happens as we dedicate a week aside to really focus in on God and hearing from Him in His Word, uh, to, to building relationships more deeply that, that students have maybe been um, starting to get to know and build some friendships during the Sunday night format. Um, but you get that ramped up as you're hanging out all day and all night um, together. There's something um, awesome that we just see year over year that, that God does in the hearts of, of our students and, and honestly in the hearts of the leaders that get to go a- as well. Don't miss it. So register if for some reason you know you want to go to camp, but you just don't have a way financially to, to figure that out. That should not be the reason you don't go to camp. Let us know. Like our goal, our, it's important to us that everyone who wants to does go. So sign up. If you have questions, let us help you with that. But we're really excited about um, that year ahead. And as it gets a little closer, we'll remind everybody and have a Sunday. We can kind of pray for that team and, and the students as they, as they go out. It's a big, a big deal to us. Um, But in this teaching series we started last week, we're calling it Room to Breathe. Room to Breathe, because the reality is, if you think about the the lives that we tend to live, there's a lot of of anxiousness in our world. There's worry, there's stress that we bring into things. And as, as followers of Jesus, we have great opportunity to live a little bit differently. Uh, and, to, and to maybe experience life differently by God's grace, by his power, how he works in and through us. Um, there's something powerful, as we were just singing that song, there really is something very powerful about Christ, about Jesus in our lives and, and the work that he does. And our hope in this series is to, to walk alongside with some biblical wisdom and, on ways that God does work. Like some of that's principles and, and instructions and, and things he's told us through his word that that we have to lean into and step into in, in obedience in our own lives. So last week, um, I introduced this, this graphic, like a super simple leadership diagram or, or life diagram. Like if you want to see change, then you have to first understand where you are. I see this is probably a little hard if you're on that room, that side of the room to see. You have to understand where you are, right? This is the you are here part of it. But the problem with where we are, if we think of the here in our world, is that there is maybe more wealth, more affluence, more knowledge about anxiety than ever before, and yet more of a feeling and of an experience of anxiousness and, and anxiety in our world. Something about our, our lives is not working. That's where we are. There. Well, our, our hope for there is the title of this series, that there's, in a real way, like you feel in your life this room to 
like to breathe, to, f- to feel the, the pressure of anxiety re- relieved in a different way. And, and so our hope is that God does a work that, that helps lead you to a, a lifestyle with him that feels a little bit different, that he can help overcome those things. But there's a, there's a path that you need to follow at times from how to get from where we are to where we want to be, how to move from here uh, to there. And it sounds very, very simple. And this week, we're going to make it even a bit more simple. We're really going to be hanging out on here and just focusing in on how do we understand and, and embrace the reality and face the reality of where perhaps we are. And so the big idea today is really the title of the message is to face reality. And that's because to find room to breathe, we have to face reality. Uh, we have to understand where are we, are we really in our lives. To find room to breathe, we have to face reality. There's this amazing, short, wise passage from, from Proverbs. Proverbs in your Old Testament is chock full of, of wisdom. Sometimes we wrestle with, like, understanding Proverbs, and if we think of it strictly through the lens of, like, promises, like X always equals Y, we, we kind of miss the mark. It's really wisdom. When you do X, why tends to be the result. And so this verse here informs uh, our, our message today. Think about the wise person or the prudent person. All right, anybody hope to live a wise life in here? All right, anybody just, you, you really just intend to live stupid? Like, that's just your goal? I just want to, nobody wakes up and like, I just want to wreck my life and live like an idiot and have no hope for the future. Like, you probably didn't, uh, I hope, <laughs> probably didn't think that this morning, all right? But we, we intend to to live wise, to be the prudent person. Proverbs gives us a lot of practical uh, application to what does life like that look like. I love this verse. He says, the, the prudent understands where they are going. Sounds pretty basic, right? The prudent understands where they're going, but fools deceive themselves. The wise person, the prudent person, understands where they're headed, but the, the fool actually deceives himself. Well, that's, that's a problem for us. It, Here's kind of a visual picture of how I think at times we don't actually live like the, the prudent person. We think about like our decisions like they're just isolated things. You know, I've made a decision about my family structure. I've uh, made a decision about my career. I've uh, made a decision about how I spend my time. Like they're just these isolated things. I can decide this or, or that. And, and we just look at them like, like circles in our lives, individual things. But the reality is all of our decisions aren't just point in time things. When we think about that diagram before of where you are, even where you are is in a stationary location. You're actually headed somewhere, and all of your decisions are headed somewhere. So it looks more like this. Like every choice that you make has a destination that it's headed toward. And so this is the verse in in Proverbs. The wise person, the prudent person, understands where they're going, understands that the choices that we make in our lives take us in a direction. And and we don't just make decisions individually. Um, if we want to follow that path of understand where we are and where we need to go, we need to understand that the, th- the things that we do and the choices we're making in a lot of ways are why we are where we are. If we're hoping for a better place, we get to evaluate some of the decisions that we make, some of the choices that we make, because, well, the, the fact is in a lot of ways in, in our lives, where we are right now is a reflection of just a, a, a lifetime of decisions that had a direction. And so we might want to be in a better place, but the problem is like our wants, our intentions aren't the thing that get us there. Our, it's really, it's our decisions and their direction, not our intention, 
that will determine our destination. So I'll say that again. It's, it's our direction, not our intentions, that determine our destination. And so this is just practical Proverbs wisdom for us in our lives that we, that we need to wrestle with and, and apply to it. So let's look at that verse again, though. The prudent, we said, understand where they are going. The prudent understands where they're going. In other words, they, they're willing to face reality. That uh, understand that our direction and not our intention will determine our destination. Real quick, last week we mentioned uh, a book that we found helpful as we were kind of preparing the series and even understanding practically what anxiety is. I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm, I'm going to stay in my lane through this message, and we're really going to look at biblical truth and understanding. But I want to I highlight a couple things that I just found really helpful. Like as a, as a person that in our, like my family story, the f- family that I grew up in, when I look at my siblings and I've interacted, in my own life, in our kids' lives, like we wrestle with, with seasons and ongoing times of, of real anxiety. And it's some, some of this for me as a father and just as an individual and as a pastor, I've wrestled with better understanding what that is. And I found some of the summaries of this book super, super helpful when it came to understanding anxiety. Uh, and uh, if you think about it, though, the reality is like over the past decade, yet alone the last three years, think COVID and this side of things, the, the actual diagnosed level of anxiety has skyrocketed. So like our understanding of things have gone up, but we're off the charts in measuring anxiety in our culture. And what I loved about, um, there's this book by Dr. John Delaney, and he summarizes anxiety in a super simple way. That just made sense to me. If you think about anxiety, his summary is that anxiety is really your body's alarm system. Uh, it's, at the end of the day, anxiety is an alarm that's saying something's not right here. Something isn't going on. And so we feel and we live a lot of times with our alarms going off and they're triggered by different things. He summarizes four things that can kind of trigger the anxiety alarm system in your body. The first one, he talks about how your body senses you are alone and disconnected from your friends, family, community, or tribe. You're, you're lonely and on your own. We're going to spend a week in two weeks, focusing in on the reality of the kind of relationships that we need in our lives that give us a sense of room to breathe, that we, we're actually wired that as much as we celebrate Jesus and his power in that, we're wired that we need Jesus and people, like that God actually intends for how he works to bring healing and, and peace into our lives, that, that he uses the, the right kind of relationships. One of the ways we say that here at Harvest is we need friends who encourage our faith, you need at least a person who, who understands you, who you can process challenging situations with, who can pray for you. We need people in our lives. One of the triggers is our, our body realizes we don't have that. Um, he also describes that your body senses, number two, um, that you are unsafe or a place or a person or a group of people is unsafe. Two more things that can trigger anxiety that your body he says, recognizes it's unhealthy or overstimulated or sleep-deprived or struggling with relational and physical boundaries. There can be trauma, illness, drug use, hormone dysregulation, or other health concerns. The, the message today we're focusing on really is, is how, we, how we kind of see God work through those more situational triggers. And as we prepared this message, there's a just a guy that I find brilliant that's part of our church who's a, a psychologist. And it was helpful for me to kind of stay in my lane but bounce some ideas off of him in, in preparing this. And 
uh, the reality is sometimes anxiety, like diagnosed anxiety, has physical, uh, is the result of physical things, such as like a thyroid that's overfiring. There can be physical things that trigger that. But there are a lot of situational things as well, and that's kind of our lane and focus today. So that's uh, number three. And four, he says this, that your body understands you don't have autonomy in your life. That could be due to a relationship, your environment, someone or something else is making decisions about how you will live your life and you are not free. All right, kids in the room that's still under your parents' house. So you're like, that's it. Like mom and dad, you're going to go home like, you're causing me anxiety by telling me what to do. There is also some healthy anxiety in your life. Um, The Bible talks about fear even. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of You've heard that one before. There's sometimes that there's a positive fear that God, God uses, maybe, maybe, just maybe, uh, in a healthy parenting relationship. There's a little positive, positive fear. There's a sense of reverence, respect as well. On the flip side, in an unhealthy relationship as parents, we really are called to live in such a way that we, we don't lead in a heavy-handed fashion. That, that our kids, especially as they're growing o- older, need to be able to experience a, a sense of natural consequences, a sense of autonomy, a sense of, of freedom, that they, they learn how to, to play well within those reins of freedom in our lives. So these are just ways that, that our body triggers its alarm system, right? And so what we said, again, back to Proverbs, the prudent understands where he's going, but the fools or fools deceive themselves. And so there's a reality, like we are— we're really good storytellers. Whether you realize that or not, here, here's what I know to be probably true about you. Even if you don't like speaking in public, you're a good storyteller. If nothing else, you're telling yourself stories all the time, right? Like we're constantly having a, some kind of dialogue in our head. There are things that we're telling ourselves that are true about the world. Um, we are really good when it comes to making decisions that we know are triggering those kind of alarms. Like when we're making unwise choices, I don't know about you, but but I can be really good at rationalizing bad choices. I can explain to myself. I can rationalize. If you know, if you think of the word rationalize, it's a lot like what it sounds. We tell ourselves rational lies. We can make something that we would really know in a different situation is not true, a lie, sound very rational, all right? This can play out in small ways in your life. Um, any of you have a, a desire to exercise on some kind of regular basis? Like you've got a goal, whatever that is for you. It might be a gym. It might be a home gym. It might be running. Um, I, I have some goals about running. And for me, I know when I follow those goals regularly, it's just, it's one of the many ways that God helps to deal with anxiousness and stress in my own life. I, that's, I know that to be true. But I can't tell you how few times previous, like right before going on a run, I actually want to go on a run, all right? And so I can rationalize that run away so many times. I have a goal of about how many times a week I do that. Some months it's a goal of mileage. I've been doing that for years, and I almost never want to do that. Some of you are like, get a new exercise, right? Who wants to run? I know uh, some of our kids that have played sports, like they play sports. Running's punishment, right? It's not the actual sport, but, but I— I make so many little, like, rationalized. Like, it's, I got a little bit of a cough. I just need to rest today, or I don't want to get sick, or, you know, it's, oh, it's the holidays, and so we're traveling, and I, I don't want to run, you know, while I'm traveling, or I ate too much food, so my stomach hurts now from all that holiday stuff. I just need to give it a couple of days. Like, it's so easy to, 
to tell rational lies and why that makes sense. That happens for me at times about that. Um, I don't know about you, but when it comes to stress and the idea of eating to try to solve that solution, I can, I can tell myself rational lies about that as well. I mean, it's the end of the night, and there's always a good excuse of why a bowl of ice cream really just is good for the soul, right? Do I hear a good amen anywhere? I mean, isn't it? Yeah. But then the challenge is, it's like, that ice cream is good for the soul. You know what would chase it down really well is a bag of Doritos from the pantry, and then my brain is still running, so it's like, well, I, I, you know, let's, let's wash that down with some soda or something, right? Like, I, you, I'm not the only one that's been there, okay, right? But it's the rational lies, right? Like, in the moment, like, it's just, I will run longer tomorrow, you know? There's the rational lie. And then in the morning, I'm like, I don't feel like running. You know, I ate too much last night. So we do this in small ways, but the challenges in our lives, some of the, the anxiousness and the anxiety we, we face is, we don't face, we don't face reality. And so we're going to look at some ways that, that we need to, with God's wisdom, face the reality of our situation. One of those, we'll start with the bad news, all right? We need to face the bad. There are real problems uh, in our life. For, for some of you, you're in a situation that is not good, and we need to be able to look the not good, the bad, uh, in the face. There's, um, there's this business-based book called Good to Great. This author, Jim Collins, and uh, some of you have read that or you've had to read that. But this, there's a quote where, where the author of this book quotes another business leader that, that always stood out to me. And he talks about this idea of, of facing the harsh reality of life. He compares it to picking up a rock and looking at the squiggly things he describes underneath. Um, you know, you ever been there before? I, we've got one of our kids who loves to find... <laughs> Like, that's not the bad to them. That's the good in life, like to, to undo rocks and find the squiggly, crawly things that are underneath. Uh, there's a, at least one of our other kids who hates squiggly, crawly things. This quote makes more sense, right? When you pick up the rock, you see the squiggly, crawly thing. He wants to stick the rock back down, right? Like, you don't want to face the squiggly things underneath. But we get this opportunity in our lives. Are we going to be people that are willing to look at the bad? Are we willing in our own lives, in our own hearts, when when God kind of shines a light on that thing, you know, we're praying to him for something and he points out this thing that's, that's a problem that he might want to help us deal with. We saw the squiggly thing on the underside of the rock and we get to choose in that moment. And I, am I going to be the kind of person that's going to face the squiggly thing or am I going to just cover it up? And I don't want to deal with that right now. What are those, those squiggly things <laughs> that you need to face up to? I mean, for some of us, we're in a spot where the, the here that we're in, we didn't intend to be there. We don't want to be there. It, it, and yet it's where we are in our lives. Are we willing to face that? Are you in a, a financial hole that you, you just don't know how to get out of? Or perhaps your marriage, it's, it's rocky at best. It's not what you intended when you said your vows, but it's where you are. Perhaps you've had kids that have left home and and they don't call you on the holidays anymore. Or you look at your career and where you're at today, and it's nowhere near where you thought you would, you would be at. Or the numbers on the scale just keep going up, and so you're sure your scale is broken because <laughs> they can't possibly be right. You realize that you're wrapping up high school, but the GPA that you have is, is not going to allow you to get in the college that, that you wanted. Or you hit empty emotionally, and, and your energy is just like falling through the floor. 
or your doctor tells you that you're going to need to make some major changes if you're going to make it through your 50s. You got to a spot, and it's not where you in, intended to be, but it's the direction of choices that you've been at. Sometimes this, the stress and the anxiousness that we have in our lives is, is the effect that our body's telling us there are things that aren't working that need fixed. You, you are in a financial hole, and that does cause stress. You, you are alone, even though you're living with somebody, and that does cause anxiousness and anxiety. Are we willing to, to face the reality and, and then invite God in powerful ways into the reality that we face so that he can do a work to change what we're willing to look at? I think for us in our lives, one of the things that we, we the bad specifically, that we have a hard time facing is worth looking at, and that's uh, to see God in suffering. All pain, all pain is not bad. There is pain in our life that is purposeful. There, there is suffering in our life that in ways that we can understand or not that God might use. And we're going to look at this passage in First Peter. You can follow along with this on the screen. If you have your phones open, you'll see First Peter chapter 5. Uh, and Peter, the, the author of this, this disciple of Jesus, he's writing to a church that's in the midst of great suffering and, and persecution. Not because they're doing the wrong thing, but because they're doing the right thing. Just by the nature of them being committed to following Jesus, they're suffering because of it. And so Peter's writing to this church to encourage them. And what is really interesting is he doesn't say the thing that I would want to hear as a still messed up, broken person. What I want to hear when I'm in suffering is how God's going to end it. Like how, how he's going to resolve it now and, and put that aside. And, and Peter's writing about a hope that in includes the persecution and the suffering and just looks a little bit more long-term. And he says this to this church. He says, you need to humble yourself, therefore, because of all of this, this suffering that they're in, the persecution they're feeling, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. An interesting choice of words. I mentioned earlier this Proverbs reminder to us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, there's a sense of reverence to, to God and his hand, even in the midst of, of difficulty or suffering. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that, well, this sounds good, at the proper time, he may exalt you. So you feel pushed down. Remain humble. Trust the Lord. Lean in, because at the proper time, he's going to exalt you. And that makes me want to say amen. Like, all right, yeah, but look at how he continues. This is the verse that we like on Instagram, right? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 100% true, and yet not always what we think, right? Because it's in the context of, of this suffering, uh, uh, of pain, that, that somehow God will eventually exalt us. And so in the meantime, he's saying, so cast that anxiety on him. He cares for you. So, and think about the, the way this plays out in our mind. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So behind some of the pain, the suffering, the, the persecution, the challenges that we face, we have to understand we're in a spiritual war. Like there's a real enemy that, that wants to cause us harm. And, and so we're told that we're trusting God, and yet we're also we're aware, we're being sober-minded that we have an enemy that wants to devour us. And so we're told to resist him. The pain, the suffering, the, the challenge hasn't gone away, but in the midst of it, what do we do? We resist the enemy. We stand firm in our faith. That was the focus last week, that we have to start with our faith in Jesus. Like, that's the foundation for a life where we actually can 
we can breathe. We have a sense of peace. Peace not because life isn't difficult, hard, or we're in the midst of suffering, but peace that's greater than the suffering that we're in. A peace that, that we, res- we resist the lies and the things that the enemy wants to tell us, knowing that well, the reality is that's common, that's life. He says the same kind of sufferings, they're happening by people everywhere. They're being experienced by your brothers throughout the world. We're told in here to remember God in the midst of our suffering, that God will ultimately exalt you, he says. But his timeline may not be your timeline. The greatest hope to this church that he's writing about isn't even about the reality of their lifetime here, but about what God is doing through them, like what he did through Jesus. Well, what did he do through Jesus? Jesus suffered, endured pain, and died, and then raised again to life. He was exalted again on the other side of pain. And so that's the hope that that the scriptures give us, is that even if it doesn't make sense in our circumstances, even if some of the challenges we face with anxiety maybe never fully get solved in this life, that this life isn't our only hope. And so we look beyond that there will be a time where, like God exalted Jesus from the dead, someday those who follow Jesus are exalted as well. Someday all of us have no pain, no anxiousness, because we're wholly embraced in a loving God without sin. Our hope has to look beyond the reality of just our situations in the moment. A a peaceful life, a room-to-breathe life, isn't pain-free. It's about a peace that goes beyond that. But for us to get there, we have to face the reality of the pain so that, like we just read, we can resist the enemy who wants to use that pain to, to kill our faith in God and so that we can, we can take that pain to God. And so sometimes facing reality uh, means feeling, feeling grief. Sometimes facing reality means like feeling the pain. And there's one in particular that I think we're just terrible, if I could be honest, at, at understanding. And that's, that's how we allow grief, a positive process of pain, to be something God uses to change us. There's a reality that when we, when we feel the pain of a loss in our lives— I don't have to know all of your story to know that you've experienced real loss. It may be on the home front. It may be in your hopes and, and through your career. It may be a family member that you had to celebrate this Christmas with and it was the first Christmas they weren't there. You've experienced loss and God, God works with us as we grieve and we, we take the loss to him. We process the loss in a forward direction when we face the reality of that pain in our lives. And when we don't do this, we end up doing really stupid things in our lives. Like, for example, when you, when you fail to process the loss of a, of a relationship, there's a reason why there's that negative term, the rebound relationship, right? You don't want to be in a rebound relationship. That's, that's the result of not actually processing the grief of a loss, but trying to jump back into it. So, the, you know, if the woman who's been divorced or a man who's been divorced and jumps right back into a relationship hasn't done this, hasn't process the grief, and they're not in a place to make a good decision. It's the same reason that when one business venture, like, doesn't succeed, the next thing you don't want to do is just jump into the next one without having processed why the first one failed, right? Like, we need to lean into the grief in our, our lives. 
Instead, I think for, for many of us, we, when we feel pain, our, our solution is what do we do to end it, right? So I feel pain, I need to end it, whether that's medication, whether that's numbing it in some other way. We don't feel pain, we numb pain, and that's a problem for us in our lives. You need to feel, not numb, your pain. There is suffering in your life. Part of facing reality is not to put our head in the sand by just distractions in, in our lives as well, right? There's so many ways that we can, we can numb ourselves to the pain that maybe God wants us to face because he wants to do something to change us or to call us out of that. But when we, we numb it, we can do that in, in so many ways, right, in our lives. Part of the <clears throat> not room to breathe is our lives are so filled with, with just distractions. And so that can be the 13th episode of the, the Netflix show that you're watching. It can be the third glass of wine or beer at night. It can be the, the attempt to find the the bottom of the Facebook wall. You ever found it? <laughs> but we'll just scroll and, and keep scrolling. At times, just because it's a distraction. Rather than facing reality, it's easier to hide our heads from it. We need to, to feel the pain. We said we need to face the bad. We need to, need to see God in suffering. And the third thing is, I hope we're getting a little more hopeful from here, okay? Um, we need to take that pain that we faced to the Lord in prayer. That prayer is a pathway to peace. We want room to breathe. We, we need to take the pain, the things, the difficult things that we have now faced and take those very real things to our Savior in, in prayer, to Jesus in, in prayer. I love this passage in Philippians um, chapter 4. It talks about this first line, we like, but we don't know what to do with. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Some of you are like, I know, but I am. What do I do? The verse continues. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need to live lives that are pray-first kind of lives. We face the reality, and before we try to fix it on our own, before we're tempted to numb the pain from the reality that we know is, is a problem, we, we take it to God in prayer. My hope for, for me, for my family, for, for you, is that there's, there is a peace of God that does surpass understanding, a work that the Lord can do. As you take all the uh, blah that you're not sure how to solve, and you don't hide it from him. Side note, he knows about it all. <laughs> but instead of doing this with our junk, we do this. Prayer and supplication, we're honest with him. We, just, we bring it to him. We ask him to, to change what, maybe it's been decades, and you're like, it hasn't changed. Ask again. If it's a thing that's broken in your life, take it to God. We're trusting that he will do what he can do, but our part is to take it to him in prayer. And so we lean into him, taking the bad that we face, and, and we trust that, that our greatest pathway to peace is in the relationship we have with him and, and through prayer. There are, there are really, for me, some of the, the spiritual practices that, you know, I have in life that we want you to do, they're super practical for me. It's like they're not detached. For example, um, a, a habit of, I have a habit of Bible before phone. Bible before phone. In other words, um, 
on my phone, probably like yours, there's a world of notifications. Like my phone can control me in ways that I don't like. Like because I, if, if what I do first is phone before God's word, I roll out of bed and whatever the first notifications I receive, it could be a, an email with a problem. Uh, it could just be the news feed and the, there's always a problem in the news. Whatever notification is on my phone now determines like my mindset for the day. If instead I can before I ever look at this thing, just spend a little bit of time in prayer and in God's word, for me, that's, that's been life-changing. There are mornings where it seems like nothing major happened. That I read. <laughs> Usually I'm in some kind of Bible reading plan that, that allows me to know I, I did what I wanted to do so I don't have to think about what do I want to read today. It's just, I'm always in some kind of plan. That's what I'm reading. But, but that that may have lots of mornings where it feels like nothing major happened, but over the course of weeks and, and months and, and years, if you will do this, God is shaping your life in such critical ways as you, you face the bad. I have opportunities to, to take the thing that is bothering me. I, I may not have started with my phone, but I may have started with anxiety anyway, right? Like I woke up and my mind still goes there. And so before I feed it, I go back to God's word. And I just take time to, to take the, the thing that I'm worried about and, and give it to him in prayer. We need these habits, this lifestyle that, that we give God room to do the work that we feel, we feel his peace that surpasses understanding in our lives. We do the work to guard our hearts and, and minds in Christ Jesus as we take that to him. So we, we face the bad, but life isn't all bad. That's good news, Right? We need to face the good, too, like deliberately focus in on what's good as well. And so we face the good in so many ways. I love this verse in Psalm 77. It says, I will consider all your works, and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Do we meditate on what God does? In the New Testament, we're told still in Philippians, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything of praise, what should we do? Think about that. Like, we need to not just face the bad. We have to do that. If all we do is face the bad, I will guarantee you, you're probably going to be more anxious, not less, right? God is doing, no matter what the bad is, God is doing and is as a person so amazingly good. And so we face the good as well, leaning in, we think about those things. And what you have learned, he says, and received and heard from me, practice those things. Practice the good that you see. We put it into practice so that the God of peace will be with us. So the God of peace will be with us. If your life is anything like mine, there are times that your thoughts just get way out of control and you need to, we need to face the good daily to, to think about those things that are good and that God has done and is doing in our lives together. And so I hope that you, you've been following along. Danny mentioned at, uh, in the host role this um, program page uh, on your, your Church Center app. If, if you have no idea what he said and you can't find that, just stop by our Next Steps table. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. Um, in that program page, there's three steps this week to apply it today this week. Three steps with some links that you can look at. Uh, one of those is a Bible reading plan. Uh, for some of you, I heard some good feedback. Some of you last week, you took us up on the challenge to, to read through the book of Hebrews last week. Um, this week, there's a plan that's called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's, it's a seven-day plan. You can start it tomorrow uh, and just take some time in the week ahead. I loved, I've started to go through that um, this week in, in, in my life. I love where that takes us. It's this focus on, on the good. 
that God does. It's a, it's a time for me that the last couple of mornings going through it, just to be reminded that I have a real enemy, but I have a real savior who's more powerful. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean in on the scripture to the work that God is still doing in our lives. And so as we wrap up in, in this time, in this hope, I, I will encourage you, find a way to imply those steps. There's, there's a tool that's gonna, you can journal through as well. Some of you guys in the room, I know like I'm not gonna journal. I hear you. This one has like little lines and just a few space, like for sentences. It's like a dude-friendly journal. All right, it's just a page with a couple questions. And if you write like five words as big as I do, you're full. But it's gonna help you just think through in, in some areas of my life. Are there some squiggly things that I, I need to face the reality of? And, and, and my challenge to you is you're gonna write them down so you face it. And you're gonna take it to the Lord in prayer this week. You're gonna spend some time, I, I hope, in, in the Bible before the phone this week. And, and we're going to get back together in the next few weeks and just have some practical steps. How do we spend time in our relationships? How do we get free from some of the stuff that holds us back? And, and, and we're going to keep walking through this together. My hope for you, our hope is that you, you'd leave this week with, with a sense of direction that's just a bit different than what God um, can do. Now, as we close in a moment, we're going to close in prayer, but um, there could be for some of you in the room, there's a, there's a word and a, and a hope that I, I want to leave you with that maybe for 2024, there's, there's a few of you that you just need to hear this because you might hear this message and you think about, yeah, I know, and I've been there and I've, I've done that and I do that and things just aren't changing. The word I want to give you is the word, it's a short one, are you ready? Yet, Y-E-T, yet, yet. Um, we had a cool Christmas gift that allowed our family um, over Christmas break in Arizona to do something fun and, and do some snowboarding. None of our kids had ever done that before. I'd done it one other time before. We were all terrible at it, except my wife, who's really good, okay? So trying to go down this, like, mountain on a snowboard, if you've never done that before, it's, it's not very easy. And so most of us spent a lot of time falling down or staying down, all right? That there were lots of opportunities and conversations where, for some of the kids, it's like, I... You know, you're trying to give them some advice, but it's like, I already tried that. It didn't work. My hope in the moment wasn't the best parent throughout, but the, the hope I tried to give them is that, that word yet. Like, well, it didn't work yet. Like, it, it'll make sense when it makes sense, right? You just got to try again. And so I've fallen down. I'm on my butt again. And you, you get up and you try again. Well, I can't do it. You can't do it yet. So we try again. For some of you, I know you've walked through this season of pain and suffering, and you're like, I hear you. I've been there. I've been praying. I've been leaning in God's word. I've been trying to do the right things. I do exercise, and I'm just anxious. Maybe the, the word for now is, is God hasn't seemed to solve it yet. And so what do we do when God hasn't solved it yet? We, we do what we know we're supposed to, and we keep praying, and we keep seeking, and we keep trusting and maybe your yet isn't this life, but it's the next one, but maybe it is, but you don't know if you stop and you sit down. So if you're on your butt, get up again. God is still good. If you've fallen down so many times, get up again. And maybe he just, maybe he just hasn't done it yet. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your, um, your mercy and your, your goodness in our lives. Um, I just ask for each person in the room you know, you know all their stories intimately from front to beginning. You've created them in love and thought about them in eternity and have purposes and plans for them that are, that are bigger than them and that yet include them. And, and in all of that, we know that we, we have a real enemy that's trying to destroy us. We have real pain in our lives. At times, 
we're our own enemy destroying ourselves. And in all of this, we need you. And so God, I pray just for each person here, wherever they're at, that whatever the, the painful, ugly, squiggly things under the rock of their lives, Lord, I pray that you would do something through the power of your Holy Spirit in their lives that, that starts to bring a, a peace that surpasses understanding, a hope for what you will yet do in, in their lives. Lord, we ask these things in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.